0: I got to a point maybe five to eight years ago where I thought I knew everything because I would practiced for enough years. Now I realize that I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know.
1: Welcome to the Tip the Scales podcast where we discuss growing and running your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRank. This week, I am joined by Jeremy Tussaud. God, I hope I'm saying that right. And we talked a lot about intake. We talked about not being afraid to refer a case if it's a more specific type of case and it's not something that you specialize in. And oddly enough, we talked a lot about anxiety. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right. So tell us a little bit about you. Not too much because I know it all. So I I just learned that you've had 30 trials. I didn't know that. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. So. I know that we know each other from having, I moderated you a few times on, I guess, the TBI Med legal platform, and of course, we know each other from conferences and and various events, but I did come uh, into this business as a defense lawyer, which some people often think is the dark side. I have my own thoughts about that. I think you learn a tremendous amount from pulling back the curtain and being able to talk to those people still and having those relationships and also just being able to accept that very often those people are not bad people just because they're doing kind of awful things to victims in cases in the sense that they're not paying us so that we can compensate our clients and often forcing cases to trial that I don't think are necessary. And that can be really frustrating even after years of doing this.
1: How long did you do that for?
0: I did that for close to 10 years. Oh, wow. I had a very unusual background, though, that they didn't want to continue to do insurance defense. Because at that time, they were moving the the operations of insurance companies in-house in order to save money. And so they were really good lawyers. A couple of the guys that I came up with that were like, I won't say my mentors, but my bosses, they were just killer trial lawyers. They were win-at-all-cost guys, I would say, within the boundaries of ethics. But um, they wanted to win at all times. And, the, and they felt like as they got further along, their bills were being audited automatically by insurance companies. It was like, we're saving these people like from potential $40 million verdicts on single cases. And we're getting paid a fraction of what like big law firms get paid by corporations. So we started to move out of that. And in short, I learned how to do a lot of other things. But I never really wanted to niche down because I always felt like I want to have like five areas in case something goes wrong.
1: So what do you specialize in?
0: So I specialize in the litigation of primarily now traumatic brain injury cases. And it's tough sometimes to be that niche down. But after years of being, yes, I'm a litigator. And I had litigated everything from entertainment cases to business cases. At one point, I even had like a niche in defamation cases, which was great because hardly anybody knew it. But my passion has really kind of always been with this because since the beginning of my career, I was doing brain injury cases 20 years ago. And that's not to brag about like I've been doing this so long, but I kind of came back to it in some ways. And I've just found I kind of know this stuff better than I know other things. You can know a lot about litigations i just like the idea that it, there is complexity to it and i also really like after years of doing this the only thing that really gives me some degree of joy is i do like to be compensated for what i do but i really want to so help do I. yeah and i want to help people in this sense that i feel like there's a lot of lawyers out there who are all over the board too and i was there once or that use cookie cutter approaches and i feel like because I sort of put myself into this position of, I wanna know it really well. I wanna help others, like, not kind of do damage to the practice in the sense that they're sending out demand letters and doing things that give the insurance company an advantage. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: No, I don't. What do you mean?
0: Okay. So if you go back five years ago, maybe let's say before TBI Med Legal even, uh, a lot of people hadn't even really heard. I mean, we all knew there were brain injury cases but you weren't going to conferences for them. And you really would call a specialist in for that. And so I just think that what I was getting to about is there are lawyers out there who are being told do brain injury cases because there's all these conferences, which is great. Learning is great, but I'm concerned. I do get concerned that too many people are trying to do it. And they just use, for example, like letters from other people. It's like, Please ask for help is all I'm saying. I had no idea what I was doing in certain things. And when I look back at it, I would ask questions. But I got to a point maybe five to eight years ago where I thought I knew everything because I had practiced for enough years. Now I realize that I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know.
1: <laughs> how do you know what you don't know?
0: <laughs> because you, you, take, you see what other people don't know and you realize how bad it is. Right. So uh, and and when you get so specialized into an area, uh, then you start to see that only by getting that deep into it, that there's no way that you could really know that much about so many things. And I'm talking about like be a really good business litigator to understand all the underlying law and also be able to litigate it and try it. You can't do everything, you know, from your business that you have to have you have a deep understanding of things that I could even begin to understand no
1: and we only work with law firms primarily pi for yeah. that reason
0: yeah right and and why is that why wouldn't you try to just take some of your expertise and it use gets it? diluted right but i we mean all-
1: if we if we learn a bunch of industries it's going to be diluted every industry specific to what we do right. so we'd rather put all of our energy into one
0: and i even see people though that even go out there and people ask you questions and you you want to kind of help but it's not really your thing right and so the problem i always had was when you're a newer lawyer like your family will call you like an uncle right yeah. or like a friend or something and the beauty of it in a sick way is to be able to say i don't know that and they're shocked when you say that right i get questions
1: all the time like people i haven't heard from from yes. years from high school they're like hey you work with lawyers what do you <laughs> know about this i'm like absolutely nothing like why would i know anything about
0: that it's funny but yeah but as a kind of as it when you don't have the confidence maybe or when you're not into the niche that you are haven't had the success you've had then you very often feel like i just kind of want to be like that law license makes you a boss right (laughs) so you could you, you walk into the family dinner or whatever it is at thanksgiving no i had no other lawyers in my family so you know you might feel like I'm the lawyer. I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like it's nice to be able to tell people that, I'm sorry, I know somebody who does that. Yeah. You know? But I don't, I can't solve your parking ticket tonight right. at dinner, you know? Or your...
1: Your family, your divorce case. Really. Yeah. and That's probably the most common one. I,
0: you know what's interesting about that is I just often find it's hard to find, like, family law practitioners that are highly competent, easy to work with. First of all, do they pay referral fees? This is a business, right? Um, do they return their phone calls like they are actually, and I'm not talking about lawyers like to call the clients back, but I'm talking to the even, like you're sending them a case. If someone's sending us a case, a lot of my referrals for a long time came from other lawyers mostly. Like And I could,
1: now, how do you get most of your cases? So,
0: A lot of it is that we do have some marketing programs, outside marketing programs we use. We do get a lot of referrals uh, from doctors, other professionals, a few different referral circles. We also have like 20,000 client base from 20 years of doing this that we also market to. But I think that what's interesting about, and it's a good question we could talk about, is that when you get a call from another lawyer who, and, and it could be the case of your life, right? You don't return that phone call. But the it's just, I think when you look at like maybe some of the firms you work with, they have intake setup and things like that. But it's amazing to see how lawyers survive when they just don't even return a phone call from another lawyer. I
1: mean, we've had situations where firms have 33% missed call rate.
0: That's just incredible to me. And, oh. those, and those are ones who are actually trying, right? No, no, no,
1: absolutely. I, I've We've had all sorts of like issues with missed calls and it's a metric that we look at every month and it gets flagged if it goes past 10 percent. but yeah it's it's an issue for sure yeah. not with every firm but it's more common than you think she's
0: usually like a referral from a lawyer would be a better thing theoretically so when you say th- like a th- you say a third
1: literally a third
0: you could be literally missing your retirement case oh right? it's
1: crazy and even for us we use 10 percent as a metric but if you're getting like an absurd amount of calls per month, even 10% could be a red flag. Yeah. So 10% tends to be like the average just because of people that call and hang up and bots and whatever, but it also has to do with how much your volume is. So sometimes it's really more 5% max, and it just really depends. Why
0: is that happening? Like if it's a if you know that this is coming from a source.
1: So that- I don't think they know, I think that they have so many calls coming in that either the intake specialists are on the phone so that call gets missed Uh, and even if they're calling back if you're if we talk about cold leads right like you're talking about a warm lead so an attorney referral is a very warm lead if we talk about a cold lead that means that they're just going through google and going down one by one so if you don't pick up the phone and they call the next person and the next person has a great intake and they close them on one call you lost that lead so it's either they don't their team isn't trained correctly they don't have a big enough intake um and nobody's watching so if no one's paying attention i mean i've heard calls where literally the person will tell them what happened and you can tell that the intake specialist is disengaged and they're like uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah. like they're obviously working on something else and then the intake specialist will ask them a question but they've already answered that question.
0: Yeah. Well, this is the type of stuff that like, I literally, I think I was laying in bed. It keeps me awake at night. It should keep you awake at night. Because I'm like, what? Yeah. I thought, and again, to the idea of, are these mixed together? Are they coming from different? So they're mixed together. Yeah. I think I don't know which one it is. I
1: think what you're asking is like, where did the call originate? right? Right. And
0: I realize that you're saying that there's a bunch of cold calls that could be, they're not the least bit screened versus like a warm referral. But you don't know – some of these operations are sophisticated supposedly, right? But they don't – you don't know I which mean, is which.
1: You can you can track, to some extent, you can track what number they dialed. So you know that if they dialed your main number, it wasn't coming. It's probably not as cold, right? But it could be cold because it could be branded. So somebody saw a billboard, they Googled the brand, and then they called whatever first phone number. But even that would probably be tracked, so it, it gets really complicated, especially with firms that do different things, Yeah. right? Like they have one phone number on the billboard, but then they have tracking numbers on the website and they have a tracking number on the GMB. It gets complicated.
0: But even at a baseline level, like what I was saying, to not, if people, I guess they don't want their firms to grow. And I guess that maybe there's a time where I just feel like I've never really sat around and felt like I'm not going to be busy and it's not like I don't sit up at night sometimes thinking like I need to have this amount of growth because I'm at that point like I'm still excited about what I do right
1: I don't think that that's the issue though I think it's just they don't know they're busy they haven't put eyes on it yeah I mean it just really depends there are firms that they monitor that shit daily
0: yeah that's how it should be right and I just think if they're getting cases and they're profitable they might not look at that for a while right or
1: Definitely, I think there's a spot that gets hit where they feel like everything's working and they're not thinking, oh, where could I have a miss? I mean, that could definitely be part of it. Yeah. I just think it's a ha- it has to be a habit. I mean, it's like any other business, it's sales. And that sales component needs to have attention and quotas and all of that stuff.
0: Right, okay, here's an example. I had a, I really don't do this, I had a pretty bad sex assault case. Right. It was like a school sex assault case. Uh, it was like may have been one of the I had a few of these like civil rape cases. OK. And I'd handled some of those somewhat in my back. I'd done enough of like serious P.I. and other types of things, especially at my old firm to be able to handle a case like that. But I'm not the specialist in that now. And I know enough to know that, that even with X amount of jury trials and five thousand depositions behind me and knowing how to litigate the hell out of things. I'm not so, I'm humble enough to know that, like, I should talk to somebody about that case. Like, while well, I could litigate that better than a lot of people. And I was amazed that I made phone calls to, like, four or five people, or and then someone else did from my office. And there were, like, three of the biggest, I would say, school sex assault lawyers. There's a few of them in L.A. And so I literally was amazed that I think, like, two or three of four didn't even call me back on this case and it was a media case so I got some media attention off it I ended up working with a pretty well-known basically like civil sex assault lawyer and just a really good lawyer. It was it was a semi employment case too because it happened like at uh, very high profile defendants ent- entertainment companies, place of employment, and it was just a good case to work on. Right, a sad case, but a good case to work on for business and money. And they didn't return my call.
1: <laughs> and you call them personally? Or I, I call or a couple. That, well,
0: I mean, I didn't know them personally at the time. My name wasn't as. I mean, I was. I've always had pretty good degree of financial success but I wasn't as well known and so maybe that didn't that help that's what's silly about it right i don't want to get too close to identifying who it was but it was a pretty well known in that field firm that is but very see, I- financially successful okay like i mean has You know, some of these firms say I've made a billion dollars. Like you can tell that they've made half a billion dollars in settlements because I know some of their cases and they did not return the phone call, whether it's from me who at that time wasn't like a big name attorney or from my outgoing person, like from my associate you got to return that call in some way oh okay okay. i then went down to the fifth for the fourth one who wasn't a bad lawyer at all and they all lost out in that case so i'm not alerting them to this but i i think what we're trying to get to is don't be that person
1: right yeah like have better intake but let's go back you mentioned that you think pi is going to change drastically in the next five years and i hear those a lot from a lot of people why do you think it's going to change
0: yeah, I'd hate to be, I thought this is a topic that it's important to talk about. And I know you've had a lot of amazing guests on here and talked about so many other things. So Maria, I think this is a sensitive topic because I don't, again, want to hold myself as an expert on this. And I also feel like people think that you're gonna like a naysayer or like, you know, Donnie Downer.
1: So tell me what what's happening.
0: I don't, I don't think it's negativity. Worry me. I, th- I think it's just awareness of the fact that, there we've been doing this for a long time in a lot of the same ways and i think this industry has changed more in 3 years than it has in the 20 years that i've been doing it and so how so i think that the saturation of the market the com- the complexity of the advertising and marketing that we see i think that when you see some of the some of what's out there uh, some of the media it's easy for the insurance companies the insurance companies are eventually gonna bring in a campaign okay? oh absolutely right? yeah and, and so again, dating myself but there were these terrible 200s that went on there's the last time that they ever attempted to do this and the only one they got through a lot of them said things like basically we see, we're seeing this and again not an expert in this but i try to keep up on this because it's really important right otherwise i may be like selling real estate with other people i'm sure you'd be great at it <laughs> thank you do you know anybody <laughs> we'll talk after okay so it's the it's florida you know the florida thing i don't know enough about the details to know how drastic that is in terms of the tort reform i think it's really ironic that it's happening in a state that's like kind of a reddish state now right
1: yeah no no it is uh, um uh, I, i've heard such mixed things like some people are like it's the end of pi in florida and we have a ton of clients in florida yeah. out of every state we have the most clients in florida yeah, and I have other lawyers that say it's really not that big of a deal. Like yeah. it really wasn't anything catastrophic. Right. Obviously, definitely not my area of expertise. That are yeah. much more yours, but I, I pres- hear conflicting. Yeah, way.
0: I just think it's a it's a broader thing that to not be aware of it. There are so I had several of the larger firm owners, plenty firm owners, come to me because I had a. At this point, I have a circle of what I think are pretty influential people in the business. And so maybe five years ago, I just wouldn't have been aware of it. But I was aware of how much fear they had. And they're not like dying or anything, but but this idea of what could happen here. And I do think that, yes, really good lawyering and really innovation will always exist and I want it to exist. So I think some of these lawyers that I know you know that run some of the bigger firms, at least in LA or California, they're going to get ahead of it, but some people won't get ahead of it. And there there will be consolidation. So what can people do? I think what people can do is ask questions and want to be able, I'm amazed at how many people, and again, I'm probably reprimanding here, but like for instance, CAOC, okay? Really important organization. There are some others that do this, but they're kind of the ones, the reason why that we still are able to help people with no money and no resources to access justice because we can represent them on a contingency fee. I just think that being being involved, I'm amazed when I hire new attorneys and they seem to know more about personal injury than I knew about when I was in law school because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I've like, quite honestly, was like, I just really want a job and be able to like, Like maybe buy like a car. I didn't. I just. But now people come out and they're sort of like a little trained in in PI because they have like some influences that are good from law school. So they come out with this idea that like maybe this is the easiest way to make money. Uh, I don't know what the reason is, Um, but for me, I really I just think it's important to maybe not be in just one area. So I just wish that people would think about. Maybe learning other things other than the amount of people that just seem so set on one thing. I can't imagine that coming out of law school. And yes, it is good to specialize, right? Yes. I have a really hard time finding, like I was telling you, finding like family lawyers to refer to. Why is that? Is a lot of, I mean, if you, if you're about money or helping people, it isn't that helping people. I mean, yes, it's a it could be a really ugly area to be in, and I understand that. So can like walking into hospitals and seeing like. What, what I have to see. And it's not in some of the things you have to present. And some of the, the fact that most of my clients, since I do brain injury cases, have mental illness and can be very difficult to deal with. So I don't know if that many people realize that that are coming out of law school. I have a a connection with with mental illness to begin with, um, I've experienced some of it in my family and among friends, and that's why some of the charity efforts I do are based in that area because it's just it it, it connects to two different things. It connects to like I think it's one of the biggest problems that we have in society. I know everybody Absolutely. says that. I mean, I just think it's incredibly important. It has a huge stigma on it. It's still stigmatized. I'm sure it is among women, but I just know when I have male clients, this is a really sad thing. Men clients, it's very hard to bring out the mental health part of it. So I think that the hardest thing to deal with that people may not recognize is that I always thought the whole thing about doing like TBI cases and many people that are listening to this, I'm sure, have either dabbled in it or have been really successful at it. But one of the things you don't really realize is that you are dealing with a different type of client. So for instance, there's a lot of advice about why don't you go out and meet your client and go to their house and have dinner and be their best friend. Okay. I think that that, is it works for some because if you are a lawyer who has had tremendous success and can pick their cases and maybe has a team that can help line that up and then you go over under ideal circumstances but I can't very often just call up my client and like be their best friend and go over their house and get to know them that well because they don't even want me in their house okay and sometimes they don't want to talk to me because they are facing mental illness struggles that are really from the TBI and may have been underlying. I didn't realize how severe that was until I started working in this field and really going in depth in it. I'm not a a psychologist, psychiatrist, or mental health care provider. The most important thing is I work with a team of people, physicians, uh, and therapists, and other professionals. I get the best that I can from my clients. So if I have to go out of state, I will go out of state to bring an expert in. I will send them anywhere. It doesn't need to be in California to get results because it is, I think the, the, the thing that hurt me the most was when I went to some of my male clients, and I'm not saying it's not females, but I feel like women sometimes will be a little more forward about this type of thing because they can talk to them among them, themselves. And I think men, it's more of maybe a macho stigma thing that they just won't tell you about their... Their depression, their anxiety, um, those type of things. I
1: live with anxiety. I've said it a million times. How's it this podcast. podcast
0: with me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, in general, I'm super high anxiety, but I'm I'm a high functioning. I I'm high functioning, so people would never. People are like, "What? You have anxiety?" I'm like, all the time right if i let my anxiety so i'm agreeing with you i'm like super what everybody yeah, but
0: knows but i just thought about that like yeah so for you for someone who wants to keep having that energy i'm sure that can work and can be can motivate you there's like a symptom list that we use or it's an intake a, a separate intake questionnaire that's supposed. okay
1: let's do it with me go just kidding <laughs> okay that would take no, kidding, a really I'm long kidding, time
0: you check all these boxes <laughs> put a big star maybe i could do that beforehand say so you don't want to it's never like a leading question right and the interesting thing about it is which i think that one of the most interesting things about tbi cases or mental health injury is that you're not aware of it yourself just like i'm not aware like that i'm doing this little motion with my hand so
1: maybe that's why your male clients aren't telling you about it what if they're not aware
0: I think that that is sometimes a factor, but in this instance, it wasn't. And here's here's why. People can tell you, you know, I have back pain, right? And and then the and then the insurance company goes bullshit. That's not back pain. You know, everybody has that, and you have to do that fight with the objective and the subjective. But it is it's harder to quantify it on a on a brain injury case that we that is doesn't have these certain symptoms that I won't get into or what we call objective. The list is so long that you do wonder if it's going to be like. Is this gonna is this gonna be something where it's gonna cause people to start thinking you know hypochondria type thing?
1: I, and, I know that's yeah. what I feel like I'm yeah. irritable. Here's how here's I'm how irritable irritable right
0: now. Yeah, yeah. So I get so I have I have a list. I think I once said this at a summer I was speaking at. And there was a a neurosurgeon in the back. I think neurosurgeons are actually the most high correct me i could be correct or wrong but actually in terms of education training and residency the highest anyway so when you're talking to those people like as a lawyer who supposedly knows brain injury i like to know my stuff really well or i don't go out of my box so this person's listening and i'm telling her that i have like a 35 page symptom checklist right and so you he raises her hand she goes i want to see that checklist i want to see it will you send it to me <laughs> so now i gave him like this is what we do and this is not a funny but it is funny because what you really do and most good brain injury lawyers know this is you don't put your plaintiff on the stand to talk about how bad life is or complain why because well it just has shown up in from jury from from jury investigation and from results of talking with jurors and all that background that goes on it tends to be that the jury and and certain people can be hard like like a woman on a woman for the, a lot of this research yeah, will I've heard show this that before, yeah. right so uh, so it's just from the investigation it shows that the plaintiff going up there even crying and all that doesn't have the impact you think and so this is a more sophisticated so we diff- have
1: like no empathy it's kind of sad no
0: you do if someone else other than the person who's getting the money ha- tells that story and so if, if, if your husband was to tell that story, maybe, I don't think he would do that for you though, right? <laughs> yes. He would. I don't think he would. I he know him. Totally he would. Like, he would be like, I'm not going to help her get that money. No, <laughs> would be stupid not to. Yeah, so you kind of need like a, you can use a, so what we would normally do is you'd put up, you try to use like a spouse, but you you would also use like maybe a best friend, maybe like someone that you work with, a coworker. But but the, the bottom line was that that symptom Checklist is way is way it it gives you more insight when it's not from the plaintiff. So I had people who just like don't check off any of the boxes, and I I know that you're that person who you don't have any like no anxiety, depression, irritability, agitation, all these things. That's useless aside from the headaches and the dizziness and all that. Right? You have none of this, and of course, give that to your husband. so we have the checklist for the husband right and the checklist for the coworker. oh god I'd be screwed (laughs) of course that comes that comes back with tons of stuff and in some ways I'm like this sounds really bad I'm not hooray because it's like because it's like going to be a better case for me I'm like hooray that I finally found this out right because I kind of know what's going on like it's not because I know that they got hit by something that probably caused them damage but when it's like it's much easier for someone to say my back hurts, or to see the X-ray or the right. MRI. But and yes, I will have clients that will be really upfront, and I say like you know they write a journal, and then I talk to the husband, and they're like Jeremy, my wife is like you know she's like really hard to be with now, and I'm like I don't know what it was like before, so then I asked, do you have like a third person that you can, you're like the best friend, and the best friend's like she's like a total. Bitch, now you know. So that's it. I have to go to like the third person to find out because you know the husband doesn't want to say sometimes, right? He doesn't want to say like my wife's really difficult, but it's it's crazy because get more on. He's gonna be like, "Maria, TBI." I, yeah, I didn't know about it. That's why we always have to find like the person who is going to be willing to be honest <laughs> on the on the form. And maybe I don't need to, you don't need to see the form either,
1: right? Wow, yeah. I so, feel attacked for some odd reason. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I I just think that the and, and so so what what it was for like it could be it's just for different people it could be a men men or women some just don't want to talk about that type of stuff it's still stigmatized and it I is think,
1: very much so even though i think it's getting so much better
0: i just I, it's harder stuff than i thought it would be to do because i don't really like to pry into it's so much it was so much easier i had a boss once that said to me really good trial or tried cases against all the big guys would ace them out just said jeremy it's just blood and guts. We don't want to do like family law and all family law. you know, I'm not saying it does a lot of good aspects. It's an area that needs to be done. I've hailed very little of it. So I'm not going to tell you about it, but the little I've touched into it, it can be really ugly. Right. You uh, know, oh accusing my God, your you spouse Ab- of like child abuse, Absolutely, all these things. Absolutely. It's awful. And I'm not yeah. saying we don't see we see horrible things too. I've had clients that have, you know, been mentally ill and come in the office and threatening my staff because because they're because they're they have like terrible depression or suicidal thoughts or things like that. So it's you know, it's in all fields of law there's gonna be things like that. And and I you know, we accept the challenge, but there's areas I just don't wanna go into. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to do those things, but I, I think that, I mean, I don't know how you feel about, do you feel, when we talked about things like market saturation, like, I just feel like I'd like to have better lawyers in, in other areas to refer to. What do you do with all your calls that you get that are outside your area of practice? I mean, they should be
1: referred out. I mean, I don't know. We work with, I think our clients are amazing. Yeah. They're primarily trial lawyers. Right. So, and, and if you need a family lawyer in LA, I can find you.
0: I think we can maintain a pretty good referral network. Like I said, like if I think someone can help me now more than ever, even where I'm at, I wanna ask for help if I don't, if I don't think I'm doing the best service for my client. Like I will bring somebody in who maybe has like a little more expertise in me about this newer area. In, the, in brain injury cases, more than anything, the technology is changing.
1: Tell me if I'm getting this correctly. You're just saying there's a lot of lawyers now and some specialize in different things. So when you get a case that you, that is not your specialty, ask for help.
0: Yeah, and more than that, when if you're a personal injury lawyer and you have worked really hard, and I don't doubt that you do, and you're not—I'm not saying that people are out there trying to do things that they don't know how to do, but I think really what this came, comes down to. I know we've had some fun here, but I think it's just the idea that. Like I said, five years ago, after 15 years, I thought I knew almost everything I needed to know, let's say, about, say, spine cases or most of personal injury. And then I had a few other areas, and I thought, okay, I'm okay in that. You know, I, could, I know more than most people. Okay, but I think for brain injury, for example like please reach out for help because first of all people are using technologies sometimes that are not admissible in court that they're being told to use or certain testings we're we're being it's there's a lot of money potentially in objective and subjective testing of brain injury.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it.
0: I just want to say that I'm in this sweet beautiful Las Vegas and I appreciate I know you've had a lot of great guests on here and I've listened to I think you've done a deeper dive than some other people have on a lot of different areas and specific things. So I really appreciate you having me on and I look forward to the next time.
1: Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jeremy Me to for everything he shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but on Spotify, there is a video component now and we also have a YouTube channel.